So I want you to think for a moment on all the ways you have been blessed this past year. I don't know about you, but there's something about myself where I can tend to focus a little bit too much on the negative. See, negative things that have happened to me this year are very easy to remember. And they're easy to remember because they're negative. They're, they're not fun. They hurt. It's painful. It's depressing. All of these things. And so the negative tends to be remembered more. But when I actually sit back for a moment and reflect and just journal in my journal book or flip back through some of the pages of my journal from the past year, I can see again and again and again all the ways that God has blessed me and my family over the course of the past year. I mean, I'm looking at the relationship I have with my wife and the relationship that I have with my kids now, and I actually feel like we're way more closer than we are now than we were a year ago. I feel like today I, I, I'm healthier physically, I'm, I'm healthier mentally, and I'm healthier spiritually, despite all the negative things I've had to deal with and wrestle through over the past year. Uh, and when I look at our church family, even though the way things have been going is not the ideal and it's kind of negative, there's so many blessings of seeing people care for one another, seeing people supporting one another, reaching out for, to one another, our fusion ministry, our kids zone ministry, our life group ministry, caring for people and seeing so many people put their faith in Jesus through Greenbelt Online here. There are just so many blessings that God is doing. And so, and what's fascinating for me is when I sit back and I reflect on the blessings that I received this past year, most of them, some have, but most of them have come from um, other ways apart from my own methods. Now, again, some of the blessings came from my methods. If I didn't do my exercising, well, I, I wouldn't be healthier physically. So I had to do something there. But most of the other blessings I've received is not because of me, but it's because of someone else. It's because of someone else doing the call that God has put on their life, responding to what God has prompted them in their heart, uh, what God is teaching them in their study of Scripture and in their prayer life. So many of our blessings come not from our own work, but because of what other people do around us. Right? And this fits really well with what the Apostle Paul reminded the church when he was talking in the book of Acts in chapter 20, verse 35, when he reminds the church of the words of Jesus, when Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It's more blessed to give and than to receive. So today we're kicking off a brand new sermon series. We've called this series, Let Your Light Shine. And I'm doing something a little bit differently in this sermon series. I don't think I've ever done something quite like this before. Usually what we tend to do is we either study a book of the Bible or a passage from the Bible, or we'll, we'll look at a theme, or we'll just kind of go through a theme, or I'll take a, a, a Christian author, a Christian book, and use that as the foundation of our teaching time. Today, in this series, it's going to be a little different. 
because some of it is going to come from this book here. So this is the book Convergence by John Thompson. Uh, John is a pastor here in Canada. Uh, pastor is one of the largest churches in the Toronto area, probably one of the largest churches in, in the province. Um, it's not the country. It's a pretty big church. Uh, so we're going to be using his book here because it's a phenomenal book. But also we're going to be using some of the things that I've been writing for... I don't know if it's going to be a book one day, but I've been taking my life group through some different teaching on uh, development and leadership development. And so I'm going to do a mishmash of convergence. The bulk of it's going to come from this and some of the writing that I've been doing. And so this would be a great series for you to, if you want to pick up a copy of this book, you can get it on Amazon. You can read along, follow along that way. If you're in a life group, um, some of the life groups will be going through this material. And if this is of interest to you and you're not in a group, I'd encourage you to find one and you could um, uh, you know, follow along in the study material that's being prepared about this. And as well, um, study material is going to be made available in this sermon series that you could just do this on your own. Even if your life group is studying something else right now, that's totally cool. And you could just use this as your own personal devotion. And really what this um, series is going to be about is we're going to be looking at spiritual disciplines and spiritual gifts. Now, normally what the church does is we look at those two topics separately. But what I love so much about John's book here is how he's put these two things together. That if you truly want to see God work in miraculous ways in your life, if you truly want to see God at work in miraculous ways in your church, you got to understand how spiritual gifts and spiritual disciplines, disciplines play together to build us up as the body of Christ, to build us up in our faith. You know, so when we kind of look at this idea of blessing, of if you want to receive more blessing in your life, the words of Jesus say you should be a blessing because it's more blessed to give than to receive. And so if you are truly walking in such a way with the Lord where you are being a blessing to more and more people, ultimately, you'll be blessed. So that's what I hope that we'll explore throughout this sermon series together. And today I'm going to start us off. It's going to be a little bit of an introduction. Before we dive into spiritual gifts and spiritual disciplines, I just want to lay a little bit of groundwork first today. Because I believe this foundation is important because we got to ask ourselves, well, do I even want to be a blessing? <laughs> or am I just kind of happy with my life the way it is? Am I okay with just settling for this Christian faith or no faith? That's fine. That's what I want us to kind of start with today. So I'm going to be reading from Matthew chapter 5 to start our time off together. And we're also going to look at a whole bunch of other verses together as we kick off this first week of Let Your Light Shine. So here in Matthew chapter 5, I'm going to start reading in verse 13. This comes from a very famous sermon that Jesus taught. It's known as the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus has a huge crowd of people that is around him listening to this sermon. And Jesus is teaching on a whole bunch of different topics. He's got his disciples there who he's speaking to. There are crowds of people who are curious about Jesus. And hidden among the crowd are his enemies. 
those who don't like what he's doing. So here's Jesus is speaking, and then he speaks directly to his disciples, to his followers, and he says this. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So again, here we see Jesus speaking directly, specifically to his followers, talking about salt, talking about light. And now in John's gospel, Jesus said the words that I am the light of the world. But in here in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus kind of flips it back and says, because of your faith in me, you are the light in the world. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. You know, throughout the Bible, we can read about salt and we can read about light in many, many different places. Salt was used in the Middle Eastern ancient world for many different reasons and had a lot of different usages. You know, we can read in Job chapter, chapter 6 how salt was used for flavoring. We can read in Ezekiel chapter 16 how salt was used for preserving and for healing. And we can even read in Judges chapter 9 how salt was used for kind of destroying and tearing things down. You know, it was also used in liturgical functions. The priests would use it. We can read about that in uh, Leviticus chapter 2 and Ezekiel 43. And it was also used in making covenants between people. We see that in Numbers chapter 18 and Second Chronicles 13. It's a lot of different biblical usages for salt. Salt is used for a lot of things. And then Jesus reminds people, you are the salt of the earth. You are to be used in a lot of different ways. You're to be used in a lot of different ways. And then Jesus says, you are the light of the world. This is a direct reminder to the call that God put on the nation of Israel. You see, the people of Israel were called to be light to the Gentile nations. The people of Israel were called to be a light to the world, to point people to God. The people of Israel were never supposed to take their position as the chosen people of God and simply hoard it and hog it for themselves. God's call to them was to be light to the Gentile world, to the non-Jewish races of the world, so that they too could know God. But sadly, we see all throughout Scripture, we see all throughout the history of the people of Israel, it's so often, instead of being light, they put the light under a bowl and they huddle amongst themselves and keep the blessing of God to themselves. And then verse 16 for here, for me here in this passage here in Matthew chapter 5 is what really jumps out. 
It really stands out, and it stands out because there's a little part of us, there's a little part of me that feels like, is that really what it says? Because it feels wrong. It feels like it shouldn't say that. And this is what it says here in verse 16. It says, in the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You see, people are to see your good deeds as you are letting your light shine. It should be noticed by people. And I think the reason why we feel like, well, that that can't be what Jesus really means, because wasn't there another teaching when they were talking about giving, uh, financial giving at the temple, and Jesus said, you know, give in such a way that's secret. You know, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. The idea, if I'm giving a donation here with my left hand, my right hand is like, whoa, what's going on? I don't know what you're doing. Okay, we all know Jesus isn't speaking, like, literally here, because there's no way that your brain can do something with its left hand and your right hand not have any clue what's going on because it all comes back through your brain. So this isn't literal. It's a heart issue. And so it feels like that teaching of don't let your left, your right hand know what your left hand is doing. It feels like, well, in turn, that should be the same thing with our good deeds. That we just kind of do them humbly and quietly. But here Jesus is pretty clear. Here this is pretty literal. Let, let them see. Let them see your good deeds. Why? So they'll glorify you and just think you're so amazing and put you on a pedestal and give you promotions and bless you with all the resources and everything that you want in life? No. (laughs) You see, the left and right hand thing is a heart issue. If you're giving and being generous with your finances for what you get, for the blessing that you're going to receive, for the fame, for the the reputation that you're going to develop, that's where Jesus is saying, no, that is wrong. And that's the exact same heart thing it comes to about letting our light shine letting our good deeds be seen. If we're doing it so that we can be puffed up and we can be built up by people, well, that's the only reward we're ever going to get. But Jesus here is saying that your good deeds, our good deeds are crucial in order to help people come to glorify our Father in heaven. See, being salt and light in the world means that you and I are called to have influence. Being salt and light in the world means we don't just lose our saltiness so it's good for nothing and we don't contribute to anything. It doesn't mean that we keep this light to ourselves and just huddle in our church buildings or in our basement or in our life group or wherever we want to just kind of huddle and stay hidden under a bowl. The call to be salt and light in this world is a call to have influence. It's a call to have influence. Salt has influence. Light has influence. 
And the teachings of Jesus here from Matthew chapter 5 remind me, and it should remind all of us, that this is not a call for just a select few. This isn't just a call for the super Christian. (laughs) This isn't just a call for the apostles. This isn't just a call for the elder or the pastor or the church leader. But this is a call for every single person who has turned from their sin and have turned to Jesus to save them from their sin, is that you are called to have influence. You are called to have influence, to be an influencer in the world. And we can see that same teaching come up again and again and again throughout many different passages of Scripture. I'm just going to read a couple of them for you right now. I'm going to read three, just so you can kind of see. This isn't just a one-off and, oh, it's easy to ignore. This theme that you are called to be an influencer in the world is repeated again and again. We can see this in Titus chapter 2, verses 7 7 and 8. It says, in everything, and here the Greek, everything means everything, every part of your life and everything that you do in your life, in everything, set them an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, and the soundness of speech that cannot be condemned so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. You know, when you're trying to convince people about Jesus or you're trying to defend your position, do you do it in such a way that um, you're doing it with a soundness of speech that sounds like Jesus? Or people kind of going, man, you're coming across really angry and arrogant right now. (laughs) You know, and they can actually hold that against you, right? That's not influence. (laughs) We're called to have influence in everything, setting an example. And that includes on how we teach, how we admonish that we want to make sure that we're doing it in such a way that has influence. We see this also in Colossians chapter 4, verse 6. It says, Let your conversations be always full of grace, seasoned with salt. There's the salt again. So that you may know how to answer everyone. Again, it's great to have a position. It's great to have sound doctrine. But like we said a few weeks ago, even if you're right, you're wrong if you're not humble. Because you are called to be an influencer. You are called to be an influencer. That you, your, your, your conversation should be full of grace, seasoned with salt. We also see in Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, it says, And whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You know, I, I don't tend to be one of those guys who over-spiritualizes every aspect of life. Like, I don't pray to God before I brush my teeth saying, Lord, is this what you want me to be doing right now? I just use my wisdom that brushing my teeth a couple of times a day is a good idea so my teeth don't rot out <laughs> on me, right? Or I don't kind of ask God, God, should I pay my bills today? No, because I know there's a call to be a good steward of my resources and the, the things that I have of God. So I don't tend to overly spiritualize every single action. But this kind of verse here says, well, maybe I should raise it up a little bit more than I have been, right? Whatever you do in your words to people, in your good deeds to people, you do all of that in the name of the Lord Jesus and give thanks to God the Father through him. 
You see, we see this again and again all throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, that the people of God are called to have influence in the world. When you and I put our faith in Jesus to save us from our sins, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to come into us, to make us his temple, to make us his dwelling place, who in turn empowers us, gives us spiritual gifts that we'll be talking about in a few weeks. And he empowers us to grow. He empowers us to grow in our influence, to be influencers in the world. But there's a problem. (laughs) You knew this wasn't going to be so easy. But there's a problem. And the problem is, is that the world that you and I live in right now is also an influencer. The problem is, is the world is an influencer in a negative way. The Bible teaches us that the world's influence can have a negative influence on our godly impact in the world. I know that was a lot of the same words repeated again and again. Let me try and explain that again. The Bible teaches us that the world's influence can have a negative influence on your godly influence in the world. Look at what the Apostle John writes for us in one of his letters, one of his short letters. It's 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. He writes this. He says, For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. You see, this world that you and I live in is fallen, (laughs) This world that you and I live in is following a different set of rules. It's following a different set of commandments. It has a different worldview than the Christian biblical worldview. John writes about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. See, those three things are the things that the world wants to hit you with. Right? How your flesh cries out for certain things that are lustful, whether it's food, whether it's pornography, whether it's comfort, whether it's reputation, all of these things. The, the lust of the eyes is that coveting for things, you know, of seeing what other people have, their blessing, their house, their car, their wife, their husband, their children, all of these things that we lust after with our eyes. And then our own personal pride of life. Pride in our abilities, pride in our accomplishments, pride in our theology, pride in our methodology of ministry. All of those things, if we are not careful, lead us down a path of negative influence. But the world will have a negative influence on us. See, in this passage here, John is reminding us that there is a war raging on. There is a war raging on between people's evil desires and the evil desires of the spiritual forces at work in the world and God's desires. And there's that tension there. 
And other apostles write about that same war in many other writings. Like Paul talks about that, for example, in Galatians chapter 5. You can look that up yourself, verses 19 to 21. And so kind of the big idea that I want us to really lay as a, a foundation as we start this new sermon series together is this. And this is kind of my call for us as a church family over the next several weeks in this sermon series is this is the big idea. This is the call is let us break free from being influenced and instead seek God to become influencers. Let us break free from being influenced by the world And instead, let's together as a family seek God to become influencers for his glory in the world. And that is what I hope we're going to accomplish over the next few weeks. As we talk about spiritual disciplines, as we talk about spiritual gifts, how they are related to one another to help to help equip us to bring God glory so that we can do what Matthew talks about here in Matthew chapter five, so that we can do these good deeds that people will see them and not glorify us, not glorify Greenbelt church, not glorify pastor Kevin or Bob or Sue or Jane or John or, or whoever, but they would in turn glorify God because of the miraculous work God is doing. But before we jump into those topics, I want to kind of ask three questions today. Again, to help us lay this foundation before we jump into the meat of what uh, Pastor John uh, Thompson teaches here in his book. Three questions to help us start in this journey together. The first question is this. Is you have to be really, really real with yourself. And you have to ask yourself, Am I willing to be an influencer? Am I willing to be an influencer? So often when I talk to Christians in the church and I see a spiritual gift in them, I see a talent or an ability in them, and I invite them to participate and to grow in leadership. 99% of the time, I met with a massive pushback from people um, that they are in no way whatsoever interested in leadership in the church. And then a 0.5% of the time, I met with certain people who I don't see spiritual gifts in, and I don't see uh, kind of a good, healthy spiritual life in, and they're pushing and fighting to get into Christian leadership. And those are the people who I get the most nervous about, because the Bible teaches us a lot to be on guard of that. And then there's the 0.5% that are a little bit open to stepping into leadership. I think the big problem that we have today in the Christian world is the word leadership. I think we just don't know what it means anymore. And we're going to explore that more in this series. But just as a way to summarize leadership, leadership doesn't mean you have to go to a whole bunch of boring church meetings week after week after week. Leadership means that you are open to the spirit of God to have influence to be an influencer. See, and your leadership might just be in your family, with a spouse, with your children, with your parents, with a niece, with your nephew. 
your call to influence might be at school, among your friends and your teachers. It might be in your community, on your sports team, in your hobby group. It might be at work to be a more godly leader, influencer with your colleagues, with your boss. If you're the boss to the people who report to you, you have influence there to your neighbors all over the place. And it might be in the church to have more influence, to lead, to volunteer in a ministry like Kid Zone, like Fusion, like Life Groups, like Church Online, whatever that is. You see, every single Christian, no exceptions, according to the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, every Christian is called to be an influencer. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. This isn't a, mm, you might become the salt of the earth. You might become the light of the world. It's, it's who you are. But you and I need to step into that identity. Am I willing to be an influencer? And maybe for some of you, you know, you're trying to do good things. You're trying to be a good person, but maybe you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus and you're doing good things. You're trying your best to be a good person. The Bible actually teaches us that those good things that we do apart from God, they're temporary. They're not going to last. They're, they're, they're gonna, the Bible says it's going to be burned away. Because it has no eternal impact. And God actually has a greater purpose for you. That God wants you to have influence that will last for all eternity. Not just a little band-aid right now, but something that will last for all eternity. And you can be that kind of an influencer by simply turning your heart to God. By simply praying a simple little prayer saying, God, forgive me of my sin. I realize that um, I fall short of your glory. I know I've got this thing called sin. And God, no matter how good I am, no matter, no matter how many good deeds I do, it'll never be enough to fully please you. And so, God, today I give you my life. Come into my heart. Forgive me. If you pray something, those words are kind of your own words today. The Bible tells us that the Spirit of God now comes in you and makes you new. And if you've done that today, I'd love if you would click that in the chat. Let us know you've done that. There's a little form that pops up to do, put your name, email, and that way I can connect with you personally to just congratulate you for that decision and get some free resources into your hands. And for those of us who have been Christians for a long time, and maybe we've just settled we kind of just settled like, and we realize we're not having kind of the influence maybe that we used to have. We're not seeing God work as much as we used to. Well, then we just have to ask ourselves, am I willing to let God do more? Am I willing to let God do more? And I would encourage you, if that's you, to take a step of faith today and simply say yes. And just pray very simply right where, right where you are. God, today... I'll, I want you to work more in my life. I want to have more of a godly influence for your glory and for my joy. 
That doesn't mean you're going to quit your job and become a missionary. It doesn't mean you're going to become a pastor. It doesn't mean you're going to start coming to the elders' meetings. <laughs> Don't worry. But it's a first step in being willing to be open to what God wants to do in your life. So that's the first thing we all have to do. We have to ask ourselves, am I willing to be influenced? The second thing, as we lay a foundation here about spiritual gifts and disciplines, about whether we're influenced by the world or whether we will be an influencer in the world. Second question is this. Do the people around me help me be a positive influencer or am I influenced by them in a negative way? We have to take a look at the people that we surround ourselves with. Now, I'm not saying cut every negative person out of your life and delete all of your negative people off of your Facebook friend, because I know for most of us, if we did that, there might not be a very big list of people left. It's, it's a tough time, and a lot of people are frustrated, and sometimes we get frustrated by other people's frustrations. I'm not talking about that stuff, but I'm talking about do you surround yourselves with godly people? Do you surround yourself with godly people who you've given permission to speak into your life, to have a positive influence in your life, to have a godly influence in your life? Or are the people closest to you kind of the ones who drag you away from God, who bring you down negative paths, negative things, to bring you into negative things that you know you shouldn't be doing, but you do them anyways because of who you're surrounded with? Right. Paul, the apostle, talks about that in First Corinthians chapter 15. Right? He says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning. For there are some who are ignorant of God. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. This is why week after week after week, we constantly encourage people to be a part of a life group because we want you to surround yourself with good, godly people. I mean, it's not people who are perfect. It's not people who don't mess up from time to time, but it's people who have that same passion as you have to encourage one another, to support one another, to pray for one another, to help one another grow in our faith so we can have a greater godly influence in the world. And if you're not in a group, I'm going to say it again. There's a link right here at Greenbelt Online. It's just up at the top menu. It says groups. You click that. It brings you to another page. You can keep listening to this message while you click there. And it will bring you, it will show you all the groups that are available. Find one that fits your schedule. Even if you've never been in a group, this might be the season to say, if you kind of answered yes to that first question, God, I'm ready to be an influencer, well, then maybe your first response is to surround yourself with some more people who also want to be influencers and try being a part of group for the next six weeks during the course of this series and see what God does. So that's the first thing we ask. Am I willing to be an influence? Second, do the people around me help me? Uh, so do the people around me help me be a positive influencer or am I influenced by them in a negative way? And then the third thing we got to ask ourselves is, do I let God's truth be a positive influencer over me or am I influenced by worldly teaching? Now, I think this question 
in our day and age is becoming increasingly harder to answer. Because we live in a day and an age where there is so much teaching available to us. And a lot of times the teaching that we consume and we we study and we read about um, is even though it's they say it's Christian. When you actually peel it open a little bit and look under the hood of the car of this teaching, you actually find out it's not Christian. I'm actually a big believer in uh, the Bible verse that says there's nothing new under the sun. Um, It's the whole idea that when it comes to the Bible, that um, there's no new revelation that's coming out of it. I remember a couple of years ago, I was visiting a church and um, the MC of the service said, man, you are in such, you are in for such a treat today because our pastor has a message for us today. He has a new revelation from God that no one has ever seen before from his word. And when I heard that, I was kind of like, yeah, I think it's time to go home. <laughs> That lead-in got the crowd excited. It built up a lot of spectators. But to sit there and to boldly say is that I have something from Scripture that no one in human history has ever seen before. Uh, That places people into a holy man position that only certain few can hear from God. And that takes away the work of God. And what Jesus did on the cross, when Jesus died on the cross, the veil of the Holy of Holies, this was a room in the temple of God where a giant curtain was separated because back in those days, only certain people could get revelation from God. And Jesus' death opened up the Holy of Holies. And when people on YouTube and in churches and in different organizations declare that I have a teaching that no one else has, You see, there's nothing new under the sun. And most of this new teaching is actually not new teaching. And you could actually study quite easily a little bit of church history about it and find out that that new teaching had been debunked hundreds and hundreds of years ago by good godly people in the church. That it goes against the teachings of Jesus and the apostles and the scriptures, right? Paul warns the church about teaching, worldly teaching that sounds Christian, but it actually takes us further away from God because it tickles our ears. It gets us excited about ourselves and what we can receive, right? Paul said this to Timothy. He said, the Spirit clearly says that in later times, some will abandon the faith and will follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. See, such teaching come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. And I think what happens is when we study teaching, we we think that kind of these deceiving spirits and demonic teaching would clearly be demonic. (laughs) That while obviously sacrificing kittens in a cemetery, that's demonic. I'm not going to do that. Well, Satan is the prince of lies. And he's not going to do teaching that is clearly leading from God. But what about teaching is God loves you so much that he wants you to have a Mercedes. He wants you to have a Porsche. He wants you to have a big house by the lake. 
And to get that, all you have to do is give a few thousand dollars to our ministry here and God will bless you. It's deceptive. It's prosperity and it's false. It's false. A number of years ago, a very famous pastor wrote a number of books and began to believe that Jesus' death on the cross brings everybody into heaven. You don't need to accept Christ. That everyone comes to the Father because of the death of Jesus. And that's a beautiful message. Doesn't it sound great that the death of Jesus makes it so that everyone, every human, regardless of how they live, regardless of their decisions, all come to the Father? It's beautiful. It sounds so Christian. It's false. (laughs) That was debunked centuries ago. It's called universalism. See, so often these new teachings are not new. And with a little bit of research and talking to other godly people in your life and being open to actually being a blessing instead of receiving a blessing, then you can start unpacking what is God's truth compared to what is a worldly teaching. So when you find yourself finding these things on YouTube, when you find people sending you these emails about these things, test it. The Bible tells you to test it. Test it. Research it. Do your own homework. Ask someone. Don't just blindly go, oh, I love that. That's exactly what I want. (laughs) No, what you should want is Jesus and Jesus crucified. And if at the end of your life, all you have is Jesus and Jesus crucified, the Bible says you have a treasure greater than anything else in the world. Let us break free from being influenced by the world and instead seek God together as a family to become influencers everywhere that God sends us. That's the journey we're about to begin. So I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask that God would do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. And you're going, Pastor Kevin, you pray that all the time. You're right, I do. (laughs) But I'm believing for even more influence this year. That you will grow in your faith in such a way that you will have greater influence in your family, in your school, in your workplace, wherever it is. And that as you are a blessing to others, then you'll be blessed. That you will be the salt of the earth. That you will change everything where you go. That you will be the light of the world. And that people will see your good deeds. And they will, bring, they will praise and give glory to your heavenly Father. So let's pray. So Father God, I praise you and thank you that we can come together here at Greenbelt Online and study your word together. And as we embark on this new sermon series, Lord, I pray that you would guide each and every one of us. I pray as we look over these three questions, whether personally in our own quiet time or in a group, in our life group, that we would look at these questions of, am I willing to be an influencer? Do the people around me, Help me be a positive influencer, or are they influencing me in a negative way? Do I let the truth of God's word be a positive influencer over me, or or am I influenced by by worldly teaching? 
God, I pray that, that you would speak to us as we ask ourselves those questions. I pray that you would speak to us so clearly, God, because you've called us to have an influence in this world. You called us to be salt and light for your glory. And so, Father, as we embark on this journey to learn more about our spiritual gifts, as we embark on a journey to learn more about how spiritual disciplines build us up, I pray, God, that you would move in a mighty way in our church family in such a way that we would see more and more and more people grow in their faith, become more like Jesus, and see more and more people put their faith in Jesus. And we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus who died and rose from the dead. We pray that in his name. Amen.